Jesus sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Much further to Hebron. I'll surely be glad to get there, and I imagine this horse will too. <laughs> he must be pretty tired. Yeah, we're almost there. In fact, I think you'll be able to see the valley when we get to the top of this hill. Uh, uh, you were right. I can see Hebron. Say, it looks larger than I remember it. Of course, I haven't been there since I was a child. <laughs> Look at all those tents. Yes, there seem to be hundreds of tents pitched out on the edge of the city. And don't I see flags flying? Looks to me like they're having some kind of a celebration. Yeah, we'll have to ask the next person we meet what all the excitement's about. Yeah, but haven't you noticed we haven't met anyone all day? Well, you're right. I hadn't noticed, though, till you spoke of it. Come to think of it, we haven't passed anyone either. And everyone must be there already. Something big must be going on. Well, we'll soon be there now, and then we'll find out. Uh, pardon me, sir, but uh, you must be having a celebration of some sort. Your city looks gala enough for a king. That's right. That's exactly why it is so festive. David's going to be crowned king of all Israel. Where have you been that you haven't heard? Oh, we... We've come from Athens and have just arrived in town. David? You mean that boy that killed Goliath? Yeah, the same. Of course, that was years ago. He's quite a handsome man now. He'll make a regal-looking king. And he's as good as he is handsome. Different from Saul. Well, I'm glad we got here today. This will be fun. <laughs> oh, I suppose there'll be uh, chariot races and combats and foot racing? Well, there were yesterday. But the preliminaries are all finished. In just a few minutes now, the coronation ceremonies will begin. Now, come with me. My family's been assigned a good viewing place. I'm sure we can find room for you. The hour of the coronation drew near. All the elders of Israel were assembled, and more than 8,000 priests and Levites were ready to serve in the ceremonies. David, the man who had been expelled from the court of Saul, who had fled to the mountains and hills and to the caves of the earth to preserve his life, was about to receive the highest honor that can be conferred upon man by his fellow men. Priests, clothed in the garments of their sacred office, generals and soldiers with glittering spear and helmet, and strangers from faraway places stood to witness the coronation of the chosen king. David himself was arrayed in kingly robes. The royal guard, captained by Menea, the chief champion among champions, stood stiffly and proudly at attention. All those who had befriended David during the fugitive sojourn in the wilderness and helped him survive the continuous threat of King Saul had a special place in the coronation exercises. The members of his immediate family sat in places of honor. The time had come. Members of the royal family, officers of the court, lords, ladies, guests, soldiers, and fellow countrymen, we are here at the direction of God 
the same God who delivered our forefathers out of Egyptian bondage. We are here to complete the anointing of a king chosen by God over 15 years ago. Samuel, that great man and prophet of God, anointed David in prophetic ordinance. And now we complete that anointing and ordination. David, son of Jesse, chosen of God, I bid you bow in humbleness upon thy knees. son of Jesse, and at the command of God, I now anoint you king, king of all Israel. Do you, David, solemnly swear that you will, to the best of your knowledge and ability, act in accordance with God's will in the ruling of his people? I do. And do you realize that you are to become, as king, God's vicegerent in Israel? I do. Do you consecrate your all to the office of king of Israel? I do. By the will of God and the choice of all Israel, I herewith place in your hand the royal scepter, symbol of the power and might of the office of God's vicegerent and king of Israel. Do you promise to use the power and influence that goes with being king to the betterment of Israel and at the instruction and will of God? I do. The covenant of the righteous sovereignty has already been written and read aloud to the people here assembled. And do you, the people of Israel, swear allegiance to David and give your pledge of loyalty? of Abraham and Isaac, God of creation, God of Israel, we thank thee for this man whom thou hast chosen to rule over Israel. Be with him, give him the strength and the will to follow after thee all the days of his life, and wisely to judge and rule Israel. Amen. David, Upon your head I place this diadem, token of your jurisdiction as ruler of Israel. And now, upon the authority vested in me by God through Moses, I pronounce you, David, son of Jesse, king over all Israel. David reigned and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible and Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. 
matter with you? Tanya, that's what's the matter with me. Your best friend Tanya? Have a little tiff, did we? Little? Just the fight of the century. Do you know what she did? I have a feeling you're going to tell me. She wore my favorite sweater the other day and got a big stain on it. You let her wear your clothes? And then she said the stain was already there and it was my fault. Does what you're wearing right now belong to someone else? I am never going to speak to her again. Well, that might be hard because she's coming to your birthday party on Sunday. Then I'm going to uninvite her. Let me use your cell phone. Wait a minute. Weren't you listening in church last week? Pastor Quanto said that if we hold a grudge, if we stay angry at someone, it can make us sick. Well, he's right. Tanya makes me sick. I think you're missing the point here. You're going to make yourself sick by being angry and not forgiving little sweater girl. The preacher said that we can get stomach aches, headaches, even lose sleep when we're angry. That's not healthy. Well, what would you do if someone borrowed your sweater and got a big stain on it? I don't lend my clothes to people. That's creepy. Okay, what if it was your baseball glove? What if someone broke it and then blamed it on you? I guess if someone broke my glove, I'd be pretty mad. But I don't want to be sick, so I'm thinking I'd have to decide which is more important. My glove or my health? Sam, you're pretty smart for a dumb kid. Can I borrow your red jacket? No. Just for the party? No way. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is chapter four on the road. Look, 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 Chris said excitedly. It's the map. The others crowded around as Chris pulled off the paper covering the map. He slipped his fingers under it to pull it out. Careful, Mrs. Shu warned. It's been there a long time. We don't want to tear it. Chris carefully lifted the folded map from its hiding place inside the front cover of the book. The paper crackled as he opened it up and tried to lay it flat on the table in front of them. Careful, Mrs. Shue said again. Ooh, everyone said. The map seemed to be made out of some sort of thick paper that had become brittle. It was yellow with age and the writing and drawing were faded in several places. Let me get a magnifying glass, Mrs. Shue said. I would suggest drawing the map again on another piece of paper, she said, reaching into a drawer for paper, a pen, and a magnifying glass. That way, if it gets destroyed, you have another copy. Mrs. Shue, there's something wrong with this map, Chris said. Wrong, she echoed. Yeah, it looks like it was written in another language or something. They were right. Not only did the words look strange, the letters were twisted. She looked at the writing for a long minute, then laughed. It's mirror writing. Mirror writing, Chris echoed. What's that? Leonardo da Vinci, the famous inventor and painter, invented it back in the 1500s, Mrs. Shue said, pulling a mirror from the top of the piano. He used to write all his notes by looking into a mirror. That way, others couldn't read what he had written. I doubt many people in the Old West would have known about mirror writing, Maria said. 
I wonder how Tom Elliott knew how to do it. He must have been pretty clever, Chris said. Or desperate, Ryan added. Mrs. Shue placed the mirror on its edge just above the map. Immediately, the kids recognized Mill Valley and began to read the notes written there. Let's see. That looks like it says, Two Crows. And that says, What is that, Willie said. Sombrero, Chris and Maria said together. It's a Mexican hat with a wide brim. Boy, he sure had sloppy handwriting, Jenny said. Well, what do you expect, Chris responded. Try writing in the mirror and see how neat your handwriting is. It looks like, Maria said carefully after a long pause, we're supposed to start here at the river. We look for what he calls two crows. Then we head toward the sombrero. Two crows? Sombrero? Jenny asked. Where will we find a sombrero by the river? And why should two crows wait for us to find them? I don't think he was talking about real crows, Jenny, Mrs. Shue said. It was probably like a tree or a hill or boulders, something that looked like crows. Let's hope it was a hill or boulders, Chris said. Then it's likely to still be there. Remember what I said about the changing geography, Mrs. Shue said. Okay, here's what we should do, Maria started to say. Wait a minute, it's my map, says Chris said. I should be in charge. Okay, Maria said. You tell us what the plan is then. Everyone was quiet as they waited for Chris to speak. Finally, he said, uh, let's hear Maria's idea. Maria smiled. Most of the river has a parkway along it. That will make it easy for us to ride our bikes along it and for Willie's wheelchair. Everyone nodded. Let's ask our parents for permission to ride our bikes tomorrow and follow the trail along the parkway. We'll start at Northwood Mall and follow it all the way down to Lookout Point. That way, if there's anything that looks like two crows along the way, we'll see it, Jenny added. Mr. Shue loves to bike ride, and he has tomorrow off from work, Mrs. Shue said. I'm sure he'd be glad to ride with you. That sounds good to me, Chris said. Me too, the other said. Great, we'll meet at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, Maria said. A clear blue sky and fluffy white clouds the next morning made it a perfect day for bike riding. None of the kids had trouble getting permission to ride bikes along the parkway. Their parents dropped them off as planned and agreed to meet them at Lookout Point with sack lunches about noon. The bike ride and the weather were so enjoyable that Chris almost forgot why they were there. He, Mr. Shue, and Ryan raced for a while. Then he dropped back to talk to Dee Dee as they pedaled along. Have you thought any more about the baptismal class, Dee Dee asked? Chris shrugged. I guess so. I don't know for sure what I want to do. Well, maybe it's better that you wait, Dee Dee said. I mean, if you don't know what you want. Remember what Mrs. Shue said. It's only valuable if you make it that way. Chris nodded. What about you? Why do you want to be baptized? Well, I've been thinking about it for a long time, Dee Dee said, probably ever since the others got baptized. I know I don't always act like a Christian, but I want to be one. I want Jesus to make me into a better person and take me to heaven. Well, sure, Chris said. I want to go to heaven too, but heaven's a long way off, isn't it? Before Dee Dee could respond, Ryan bicycled toward them from up ahead. Come on, snail, he said to Chris. Your bike moves like a slug. Oh, yeah, Chris asked, and pumped his bike harder. Soon they were both speeding ahead of the group. Why do you want to do all that wimpy church stuff, Chris? Ryan asked when they were alone. What are you talking about? I mean, like this baptism thing. Only weird kids do stuff like that, Ryan said. Chris stared at Ryan. My friends at the shoebox aren't weird. Ryan shrugged. No, I guess not. But cool guys don't do stuff like that. You want to be cool, don't you? Or do you want to be a wimp? I'm no wimp, Ryan. It's just... Suddenly, Ryan stopped, and Chris almost ran into him. Look, Ryan said, pointing to a tall oak tree near the water's edge. 
Two huge blackbirds perched on the top branch. Two crows, see, Ryan said. Yeah, and I'm sure that those crows have been sitting up there on that tree branch for a hundred years. It could happen, Ryan said. Yeah, right, Chris responded. Get real. Mr. Shue and the others soon approached from the rear. I'm hungry, Chris shouted back to Mr. Shue. It's only 11 o'clock, Mr. Shue responded. Lookout Point is about a mile from here, up there. He pointed up a windy hill toward a small building and a U.S. flag perched above them. Let's go up there to have lunch. I don't understand, Willie said, pulling up behind them in his wheelchair. None of us have seen anything like the two crows. Well, it's like Mrs. Shue said, Chris told him. Maybe all the construction over the years destroyed our clues. Let's hope not, Mr. Shue said. Come on, let's take a look from up there. What if the clues really are gone, Chris asked himself. Just thinking about it made his bicycle harder to pedal. have heard today is a chapter of the shoebox kids book one the mysterious treasure map it was written by jerry d thomas and used with permission from the pacific press publishing association if you're interested in any other books published by the seventh day adventist church please visit adventistbookcenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955 This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. The children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.